Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me as always, Garrett Satlin. How's it going, man? Ben, I usually take uh, these intros and usually use them as my time to kind of talk about life here, but I want to take this time to actually shout out to one of our newer writers, Scotty Lotlin, who just joined Mara on our D1 women's side. He produced the Villanova article for the women's side at TSR number 20, I think. Um, it, it was fine. It was good, you know, but I was like, hey, man, we've got some work to do. Let's make some adjustments and let's come back and let's, you know, revisit at another time. He just wrote the Notre Dame women's article and it was spectacular. It had probably the best intro that any writer has given me for any of these ranking articles. It was so much more clear. And while it wasn't perfect, the, I, I mean, I, I'm just, I will applaud writers who take those learning experiences and just build on them. Shout out to Scotty. Um, we'll have to get him on the podcast sometime once he really kind of gets more integrated. So shout out to him. I, I just I thought he did a phenomenal job. I didn't even notice that you didn't write it. Like I, I <laughs> as I was reading it, it, it sounded like it, it sounded very similar to the other ones that you had been writing. That and it, it flowed very well. So yeah, very very high compliment um, to Scotty there. Really appreciate him coming aboard. Um, we did transitioning poorly i think we only got one extra review uh this week from our spotify site and none from apple so while we're picking up writers at a decent rate things slowed down a little bit on the review side just devastating really um this is very devastating but you know honestly after so many great weeks uh, we were we were I, due I, for we, it we were due for a for a for a poor outing, an off day, as we like to say here at, at TSR. So, bound to happen. Hey, get back on the train. You know, like you know, let's start picking those numbers up again. I will say though, numbers slowly starting to pick up, right? Both on the podcast side and the numbers really great on the on the website side as well. Um, so, thank you for supporting. Stay tuned. More's on the way coming in September. Uh, but I've gone over that already. So, Ben. Without further ado, let's just jump straight into the rankings. Uh, we've got 12 through 7 today that we've produced on the site. Yes, so we can do the same way we did it last week. So we're going to go start at 12 and then work our way down, alternating between the men and the women. So we're going to start with the Iowa State men who came in at 12th in our rankings. Uh, this is a team that's really experienced a decent amount of turnover um, I think we're going to be looking at some new faces producing while still having some some old standbys um, that should be in this lineup. Uh, Gable Sepierda is coming back. He should probably lead the line for Iowa State. We had him ranked in our top 50. Uh, Ezekiel Kabichi is back. Chad Johnson is back. Uh, they bring in Titus Winders. Um, and that back end, though, is a little bit of a question mark, but there's a, plenty of experienced runners up front. And if Winders can translate his D2 success to the D1 level, this is a team that has a pretty potent top four. I didn't think I was going to like this team as much as I did. And then Gavin sent me the draft and I'm like, this is actually really good. This is very good argument in favor of Iowa State. They've got some great names. And like you said, it's that Winders, Johnson, uh, Ezekiel Rapp, who was formerly known as Kabishi, and then Sepierda. Um, that's like a great top four. And then we forget there's that Juco guy, Kelvin Bungay, uh from Juco ranks. You've got Nehemia too. You've got a few decent young guys who've been pretty solid. 
Um, like there's there's some dudes on this roster, and I, it, they're pleasantly surprising names, and I can kind of get around you know like a lot of these guys. I don't know how many of them are going to be all Americans, but I, I I actually think I'm not too worried about their back end as I was before I actually sat down and researched them. Who was it? What team was it on the women's side? I, I can't remember if it was it was the Wisconsin women who we said had just such a narrow range of possibilities when it came to the NCAA meet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I compare them though, because I think there's a little more upside with this Iowa state team. Yeah, it, possibly. I, I think it, it, if Ezekiel Rupp kind of produces to the talent level that he's flashed at times, I think there's that potential, but I, I just think they're going to be very steady. I, I don't see a whole lot of all Americans out of this group. I, I, I think we could see a lot of guys in that 40 to 70 or 40 to 80 range, um, which I think is just going to leave them finishing anywhere from 10th to 15th. I, I, I think their window is, is pretty small. And, and I don't say that in a negative way. I just think they're, they're going to be very solid, but I don't, I don't think they have enough low sticks to really push their way that far inside the top 10. I think they could, but I think it's a lot easier to say, well, this guy could be this, and this guy could be this, and right. this guy could be that. In, in reality, I think the only guy who I can solidly say for sure could be an All-American is Serpierda. And outside of him, like you can start making arguments, but you need to have Chad Johnson have his best day, which is close to an All-American. Same yeah. thing with Rop. Same thing with, you know, probably maybe Winders, depending on D2 to translate success. So it's a, it's tough to know what their upside is, but at the very least, like I, I, I don't think they're going to be outside of the top 15. And honestly, I think this is actually an extremely great rebound season considering that they lost, I mean, just what, four of a top five from a, a national, a runner-up national meet, uh, finish. So um, I, I like this team a lot. They're actually kind of fun if you really sit down and look at them. Yeah, I mean, when you're rebuilding within the top 15, I mean, that's that's a sign of a great program. And I, I, I'm i excited to see as as they kind of lose maybe the last remnants of that runner-up finish team. I, I'm curious to see how they reinvent themselves over the next few years and what the next podium chasing team looks like for the Cyclones. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, like... it. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't know what this lineup structure relative to what the last year's structure is going to look like this fall. Um, maybe not because they don't have the same low sticks, but just because like, I don't know if like the gaps between scores are going to be the same, if they're going to be top heavy, if they're just going to have depth. Like it, it's hard to know from that sense, but um, we'll see. I'm actually, I think I'm a little higher on them than maybe 12th, but I think they're about right at, at 12. I agree. All right, let's go to 12 on the women's side, which is the Georgetown women. Um, they return some very strong names, Maggie Donahue, Sammy Corman. Um, they also bring in some strong transfers in the form of Katie Ann McDonald, Grace Jensen, Andrea Clayson um, from a team that finished, I believe, 18th at the NCAA meet last year. I, I, I think this is a very solid spot for them at 12. I, I think this is a reflection of the talent that they've brought in, the hopeful continual improvement of the women that they already have on the roster. And, and I think they certainly have a decent shot at sneaking into the top 10 if everything kind of goes to plan. Yeah, I I, I kind of like went through all of the women's teams that we have ranked so far. And I was like, all right, Washington, 
Wisconsin, Utah, NAU, Ole Miss, Colorado State, Providence, Villanova, Oregon, Michigan State, Utah State, Florida State, and Toledo. And I really thought about it. I don't think any of those programs have a better one-two punch than Georgetown. Yeah, I mean, between Donahue and Corman, who were thirty-first and forty or thirtieth and forty-first, uh, or yeah, forty-fourth at last year's NCAA meet, that's it's hard to beat. That's really hard to like. They were good throughout most of their meets, and 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 now it's like, yeah, they lose Jones, right? They lose Bothwell, they lose um, Denner, Danner, excuse me. But it, I mean, I, I think you know Melissa Riggins isn't playing soccer anymore. We'll see how middle distance speed translates to the uh, grass. Um, their return, and I'm I'm just gonna completely butcher her name here as I'm trying to. Uh, what was it? Uh, Scrim Scrimgeour Scrimgeour. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name, but she was solid. She was a top twenty finisher at the Mid Atlantic region, and then they bring in some really solid transfers, graduate transfers. It's like. It all depends, though, on how well you think their tra- grad transfers are going to do. If, you, if you're if you not optimistic on them, then this is maybe not a top 15 team. If you are, then this is a borderline top 10 team. How many of those transfers are going to be in the top five for Georgetown this all year? Them. You all think of them. All of them? I think all wow. of them. Depending on how much progress you think Scrig Moore is going to make. Yeah, I, I mean, I think... I, I guess that the the way their season shakes out will depend on if you're right. Because if you're right and they're all three of those women are within the top five, I think that means things haven't gone quite as well. I think if they're not depending on those three transfers to be within that three, four, five spot, I, I think that means that Georgetown has a better chance at being in the top ten. I don't know if that logic tracks. tracks no, no, you, I, I I understand what you're what you're saying, or at least trying to say. Um, I completely disagree. I think it's actually the complete opposite way. I think if they're relying on women other than those three, again, depending on how you feel about Scrigmore, then things have maybe not gone to chop as the way that they kind of wanted to. Right. Um, that's my opinion. So, like, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess we can just sit here and just make up absolute BS about what we think is is or isn't like a good lineup. Um, but I, I think there's a there's a few more options than I think we realized. But also, it's not the deepest team ever because we thought Jones and Danner were going to come back. They're not, and that makes things a little trickier. Yeah, and I, I'm just fascinated to see how like Katie Ann McDonald, Grace Jensen, Andrea Clay, how how they perform at NCAA's. I, I mean, Jensen's someone that I think has been right there on the fringe uh, of national kind of contention, um, at least qualifying for an individual spot. She's looked good at SEC meets before, and, and if she can kind of take that next step up along with this Georgetown team. Then that's where they start having that I think potency to be inside the top ten because I, I I think like like we were saying the way things transfer or go with these transfers will really depend on how their season goes and I think Jensen within that group it is that X factor. So from the three four five spots, what's your order for McDonald, Jensen, and Clayson? Oh jeez. Um. Oh. Uh, Remind me where Clayson was last year. Boston U, uh, four thirty nine in the mile. Okay. She was second at Patriot League's individual All American qualifier. Want to say she was somewhere like around 
just outside the 150 uh, at national winter cross country nationals. Um, solid Northeast did not qualify for na- nationals individually last year, um, but a good name and a lot yeah. of progress has come in the last year. I think I'm going to go Jensen Clayson, Katie and McDonald. Really? I, I, I think so close like i i i don't know i you could convince me any any which way i was gonna say i was it's so funny because i was gonna say mcdonald jensen clayson <laughs> we are just completely I, off I think that's wrong like i i think you could be absolutely right i think they're all so similar yeah that's funny how we are completely we're usually so on par about these things i know this not is a we, weird start to the episode we'll, we'll see where this takes us wow uh, this is disappointing <laughs> all right anything else on georgetown before we move on to number 11 no that's it all right number 11 on the men's side was gonzaga they bring back james mora uh will smith you see grimali is back in the lineup they also bring back a decent chunk of their their remaining um top seven lineup but i get this this was a tough one for us to rank Grimali has shown the potential of being a very good, maybe top 50 kind of guy. If he's on, on, on his right day, I think we had both Mara and Smith in our, within our top 50 rankings. Um, Mara is obviously a, a great low stick. Smith is someone that we like as an up and comer who showed a lot of good flashes last year. But the back end of their roster, there's certainly a lot of question marks. And that's kind of the theme that I think we had when we were talking about a lot of these other teams that were ranked below them in last week's episode. Yeah, it's it's a tough team to gauge a lot because you think you know what you're getting with Mora. You, you're, you're, we're pretty confident about what we're getting with Mora. We're pretty good about that. We don't always know what we're getting with Will Smith. Um we don't always know what we're getting with Gormali. Um, and then the back end, there are guys like they've made really good progress. Like Evan Bates wasn't, didn't play much of a role last year, but he went 1345 for 5k. That's really good. If you're just a fourth or fifth runner for any team at the national level, they, I really like Michael Moriano too. Like, I think he's, I mean, one of the best 15, 10 recruits in the country. I, he, he is spectacular, and I think he's a perfect fit for Gonzaga. He reminds me actually a lot of James Mara in terms of his resume. Um, so I, I I like this team, but like you also – like a lot of stuff does have to happen and go right, and it feels like we've been saying that for a while when it comes to this team. Yeah, and I think the reason why we keep saying that is – They've shown each of these runners have shown flashes and you can see the pathway very clearly, but it is one of those situations where you're saying, and if this happens and if this happens and if this happens, Mm -hmm. then they're going to be able to be a top 10 team. And after you get past the first or second, and if this happens, then it's more than likely not going to. But at the same time, I do feel a lot more confident in this team than I did maybe a few years ago when we I think we had them in the top 25 for one of the first times and they just missed out on making NCAAs. This is a team that I think we feel very comfortable about making NCAAs, that they're not only going to be at the national meet, but actually have a really good shot at being in the top half of the field. But at the same time, if one of those top three guys isn't 
right and isn't running well, this is a team that could slide back a lot further than this ranking shows. Yeah. Um, and listen, I'll say it, and I've even said it in the article. 2019, just a brutal coal-loss scenario. Nothing they oh. could do about it. They didn't make the national meet. Winter Cross Country 2021, they had every right to go. They made it. They finished 27th. Fine. Okay. This last fall, run well, advanced the national meet 26. There are no excuses. It, it, the excuses are done. Like you, you have to deliver at least a top 15 finish. They are capable of a top 10 finish. If everyone runs well on the same, like, same day, this team could be seventh at the national meet. But they have to deliver, and they clearly have the talent to do so. Trying to put it all together will be hard. Um, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to say it's going to be hard, but it's going to require a lot to happen. Because I do like, I think there's more options in this lineup than some people realize, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. All right. Let's go to number 11 on the women's side, which is the Michigan women. Uh, they bring back Erica Vanderland, Caitlin Hart, Kayla Windemuller, and they bring in Danielle Page, who should hopefully be a nice addition from the D3 level for Michigan. What do you, what do you see? What, what's the top end outcome for this Michigan team? Because I, I was real when I was going through their returners and what they brought in, I was having a really hard time figuring out what their ceiling actually looked like. I don't know if it's actually much higher than like ninth. And that's kind of what I was saying. It's hard for me to see them really getting much higher than this 11th ranking. I mean, you have, it's another similar thing where you need to have everyone run well on the same day. And actually they did run well on the same day quite often, but here's the thing. Michigan didn't race at Nutty Cone pre-nationals or Joe Piani last year. I don't know how you don't do And listen, they do very well at Louisville. They do very well at Harry Grove and Penn State National Open. But then they get to these postseason meets and they're just completely overwhelmed with women who are on paper better than some of their opponents. Um, they're going to Nuttycomb this year, which is great. Um, we'll see if that like, makes a difference. But like on paper, this is probably the best top three at this point in the rankings. Uh, for like you know, for how far we're in, we are. Yeah. How much better are they going to be? Like, can they make the jump? Which is not unrealistic to think. Like, if each of the if the Vanderlyn Windemuller Hart combo chops off twenty points each, that's pretty solid. If Page cuts down at least one of those, you know, fourth, fifth back end scoring spots, that's also great. But the depth is limited. They only have so many options. They do have options, just not a ton. Um, and we'll see. So. Like it, it's it's hard to like look at like what's on paper. It's like this is a top twelve team, but also be like, well, these things do need to happen. Yeah, I mean, Vanderland, I think, is one of the more vexing runners that we've seen over the last few years because she has she showed such great potential her freshman year and just hasn't built on it in any significant way. I think she was hundred eighth last year at NCAA's, and she. She's someone that, like you said, you look on paper, Vanderlyn, Hart, and Whittemore. These are all three women that have the capability on the, on, with their running at their best to be all Americans. Like they all have that talent level, but we just haven't, and especially in Vanderlyn's case, we haven't quite seen that ability shine through for a little bit. And if she can get back to that point, then I think this makes this team so much more dynamic. It can give them a true low stick. And I mean, Hart and Windermore could be right there with her if she makes that jump 
and she can elevate them alongside her. I just don't know what the likelihood is of that because it's once you start trending in that direction, it's it's hard to see people bounce back significantly. But in her case, I she has the talent to do so. Yeah, I mean, and that's just it. Like, if for whatever reason the season ended last year after the regional meets, she'd be a top 20 runner in our rankings because she was good. She was yep. great, actually. She was very good um, throughout most of that season and then just didn't have her best day at the national meet. Um, I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Come November, what's the order of those three? Oh, man. Uh, I think conservatively i think i think this is the the probably the correct answer as we're standing here on august 28th i think it has to be heart one i think vanderland two and windemuller three you think heart's gonna be the top scorer on this team i i mean i i i just i like her trajectory and i liked i like what she did at ncaa's last year i i think I they again what you're capable of doing during the regular season I think is very different than what you're capable of doing at the NCAA meet and I trust Hart a little bit more based on what she did at NCAA's. No, I think the safe answer is Vanderloom one, Windermiller two, Hart three. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I think I was like, oh well, we, okay, the safe answer. We're just we can't get in sync, Ben. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, listen, I I like Hart. This is not like no diss on Hart. Like I think she could be an All American. No, no problem. I just think, think she's the safe. Like in terms of her hot, we just upside, haven't seen she, it. Though. She doesn't have the same upside as those other women. But I, I, I completely think... disagree. She's the youngest one. Well, no, I, I sorry. I guess what she's shown at this level isn't as high as what these other ladies have shown in terms of long-term potential. Yes, she does have as big as high. As I, I don't know if I follow that in the slightest. Um, I don't know if I agree with that at all. I don't think it's also going to make a difference though. I think regardless of what the order of this top three is, like you could argue that when Miller is going to be the top scorer and I'd be like, yeah. okay, whatever. Yeah, like I, I, I wouldn't have an, uh, you know, um, it's going to come down to the bottom two. In fact, it's going to come down to Daniel page. If right. Danielle Page is as good as we think she can be, as like a top 100, top 90, 80 runner, this team's going to be comfortably in the top 100 as long as the other three, top three contribute. And if they just get another one in the top 150, which is reasonable, then they'll be a top 10 team. They're good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I, I think those three women, those front three women could be pretty interchangeable. But like you said, the, the X factor is probably Page and and or anybody else who can make a big leap forward and make the, and have a little bit more of a bridge from three to five and, and make that scoring be a little bit less negative towards the back end. I agree. I very much agree. All right. Number 10 on the men's side, the Wisconsin men who bring back Bob Liking, Jackson Sharp, Rowan Ellenberg, Shoaib Al-Jabali, Charlie Wheeler, and then they also brought in transfer Benjamin Nieblink. This is, again, another very solid team. I think this is probably one of the deepest teams that we're, we've, we've talked about out of the, the last few uh, people teams in our rankings. The top-end firepower is not the same, I think, as a team like Gonzaga. But when you have so many solid guys, I, I think that... 
you just trust them so much more to put together a good day at NCAAs than a team like Gonzaga. So they also bring back Evan Bishop. That's a that's right. Yeah. yeah, bring back Evan Bishop. Um, and Charlie, did you say Charlie Wheeler? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So and you know, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, in fact, even in the article, by the way, like they bring back Mark Trammell, who was like an 844, 3200 meter runner. Didn't I think he didn't race last year? They add Michael Wilson, who's like a sub 850, 3200 meter runner, a recruit, I think. Phenomenal. Um, I I actually like their firepower more than Gonzaga. Not because I think they have more firepower, but because I think I know what I'm going to get with their. I trust the top two of Wisconsin more than I trust the top three of Gonzaga. And when you tack on how deep they are, like you look at guys like Ellenberg and Wheeler, they didn't even run their best mm-hmm. last fall. If they run their best, this team is like well within the top 10. Like we underrank them in that case. And if one of those guys come, becomes the low stick that we think Sharp is going to be as well, this could be a very scary team. Um, I see very few flaws in this lineup. Yeah, I, it's just a very consistent, like, I, I, I think we can both agree that we would expect the liking to lead the line. But after that, I mean, it, it seems like a pretty interchangeable two through five you could see a lot of guys coming in and out and I just it, it seems like it'd be very difficult for them to have a bad day like what is the lowest you think they could finish in NCAAs like what is their floor I mean you know like assuming that the entire lineup doesn't just blow up right exactly um, yeah like 12th or 13th yeah I, agree. I think that's like yeah like you know if if the lineup structure stays the same and maybe they're like a little off they're still 13th and yeah, I like them a lot. Like a lot. Because they can withstand a bad day from one of their top three in a way that a lot of other teams just cannot. And I think that is going to prove so valuable at, at NCAAs where you always see a lot of teams in this top 10 to top 15 makes one or two guys blows up and that just and that plummets them down the team rankings. That That's just not going to be the case for Wisconsin this year. So, spoiler to anyone listening to this, although this is well known, Wake Forest is nine. Did you want Wisconsin at ten, or did you want Wake Forest at ten? Like, did you have them swapped in your original rankings that you sent over, or I had Wake Forest ahead of them. Okay, I I think they're yeah, very very similar. Um, I I I think that the Wake Forest guys, and, and we'll talk about them in a minute more, but I think individually they have shown more flashes. You can go through five or six guys where they've all shown these flashes of being like possible low sticks. Mm -hmm. And while they haven't been very consistent, they certainly haven't been as consistent as I think the Wisconsin guys. I think this, that accumulation of possible true low sticks for Wake Forest makes them a little bit more potent. Yeah. I I don't think I disagree with that. I I just think through that when Gavin sent this over and I was reading it, I'm like, Man, he really makes this team look really good. Like I, I was with you where I was like, "Oh, I don't know how many low sticks they're gonna have," but like all of a sudden, I'm like, "It might not matter." Like if you just have five, five within the top seventy, you're. It doesn't really matter where they fall as uh, too much. Well, I'm I'm just sitting here now and being like, you know, Evan Bishop could be a low stick on the right day. Like you know, you can you could convince me of really a lot of these guys being like really top. 60 finishers at the national meet yeah 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I certainly don't disagree there. Um, I, I think, again, I don't see maybe the top end potential for them, but I just, I, I would be, I, I don't think they can get in that side, that top six, but I, I think they have such a small range of, of possible finishes, which makes them actually a, a decently easy team to rank for us. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel bad. I think we rob. I I don't I don't know. I don't know. But I feel I don't want to say like we rob them because I do like Wake Forest, but like I don't like you look at the rest of our rankings. I don't know where we could have robbed them of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All it, right. It feels like they deserve to be higher. Is all I'm saying. Fair. Fair enough. Number ten on the women's side is the Arkansas women. They bring back Isabel Van Camp, Gracie Hyde, Megan Underwood, uh, Taylor Ewart, and Sydney. They bring in Sydney Throbledson. Um, they, they have really good recruiting classes over the last two years. Um, they have plenty of talent on this roster. It'll be interesting to ho- see who can shine through. Um, I think Van Camp's going to be a great low stick for them. It, it's just the Razorbacks just churn in people every year. And even though this lineup loses some significant names, most particularly Laura and Gregory, it seems like they're going to keep going without missing a beat. You'd think that um, it's it was hard to rank this team. Like it's it's Arkansas. They're always good for as long as I've been following this. Like Arkansas has always, always, always been a top ten team. Um, I don't know where they're getting this other firepower. Van Camp is a I think the ranked thirtieth in her preseason rankings. I like Thor Valtzen a lot. I think she's going to be like a great, great number two. But I have no idea. What this three four five is going to look like? I have no idea what the supporting cast is going to look like. It's very 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 risky to bet on women who are young and inexperienced, and in some cases, not all, in some cases, don't have a lot of racing collegiate experience. Um, York could be really good. Really didn't race almost at all after a tough, you know, rust buster early in September of last year. There's some youngsters who have still not yet towed the line. We'll see. I think you are the X factor. Like yeah. I, I think she's one of the few names that it has proven has proven ability to race at the NCAA level at a at a high level. And I that you can't say that about a lot of these other women on the roster, even though they have really good high school times or really good track times. You we haven't seen them produce in the same way on the grass, the same way we have with Ewart. I I mean Hyde and Underwood didn't have great runs at NCAAs, but at least they have ex- that experience. But they're going to have to improve significantly if this team does want to end up being a top 10 team. The complete opposite of Wisconsin, where we have this list of names and we feel confident that their top seven will come from that list of names. Their top seven, Arkansas's top seven, could be filled with three or four names that we haven't even mentioned yet on this podcast. And I, I think that's not. And I think that's inherently where the risk comes from in this ranking. Like I'm, I'm looking at here, I'm looking at all the tagged names that we have at the bottom of the article, and I'm trying to figure out like what the lineup's going to be. I think it's going to be Van Camp, Thorvaldson, if Ewart's at her best, her, Underwood, and then like some combination of like the freshman, sophomore classes, right. maybe even veteran, like Gracie Hyde, like was not nearly as good last ball as she has been in the past. Like she could be really solid. Um, so Hyde could be a, a name like Mary, uh, Mary Ellen Udale, uh, Mia Cochran, like Anastasia Gonzalez. Like, there's so many women who you could point to and be like that, that woman could be great. That woman, 
but when you don't know, that's when this situation gets scary. And that's why reputation kind of has to carry you into this ranking. Yeah, I, I mean, they they just produce people. They like, and there's going to be someone that is coming a little bit off our radar that's going to run really well and establish them as a, a scorer. And we we like you were kind of saying about Gonzaga, we where we just haven't seen them put together that good NCAA experience, and there's there's a little bit of distrust there. It's the exact opposite with the Arkansas women, where you can just go in. You see the talent on the roster, and you you can trust Coach Harder and that program to develop at least one or two names that we're not expecting to score in a big way. Yeah, that's um, yeah, it's just hard to reconcile. I I I know I'm gonna like regret having this conversation of like, well, why you know I was worried about them because I know like come November they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. All right, let's move on to number nine on the men's side, which is Wake Forest. Um, Wake Forest brings back uh, a lot of good names: Zach Fascioni, Aaron Las Harris, um, Thomas Van Open, Martinez uh, de Penilos, um, and Luke Tewalt. They, they, all these guys, and, and I mean, even more. They bring in back Velasco, Ben Mitchell. They just have so many guys who, on their on their day, have run extremely well. Van Open had a great track season. Um, I think we've seen. Velasco and Mitchell run really well during the regular seasons in years past. And Faccione is a, is a true low stick for this team. The comparison with Wisconsin, though, I, I think is fascinating in that they have all, all these guys are a lot less consistent and have a lot more question marks. But I, I do like their top end potential a little bit. I think T Walt could like this is a make or break season. If T Walt breaks out like I think we think he could, um, this team's like gonna be really scary because Aaron Lasarreras was clearly not as good as he was last fall than he was this past spring. Same thing with uh, Di Peños. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, um, but he was thirteen thirty nine. Like T, I really think T Walt comes down to being the other guy, and then like Velasco, Mitchell, Roberts, like. People forget how good they were during the winter cross country season. They were really good, like really good. And if they return to that form, because they certainly weren't there last year, but if they return to that form in 2022, I mean, we might have underranked Wake Forest. But the problem is that we we don't know that. We have to see it first. Who who was it? And I'm trying to pull it up now. Who was it that went toe to toe with Nagus? Was Velasco. it Velasco? Yeah. And that's the thing, like. You have it. You have guys like him. Who I mean, where do you think he ends up in this roster? Like, I mean, I think he makes the top seven for sure. Yeah, but yeah. that's the thing. Like, he he could be seven. He could be two or three. I I, I don't think that's like. I, I think he could end up being a super important front runner for them, or he could just be a back end scorer that they can hope just has a perfect day at NCAA's. Yeah, I don't know if I see him as a two or three. I probably see him anywhere from four to seven. But yeah, I mean, like he's someone like you just don't know. And it's nice to have these options, but it's also tough to like have these options where you just don't know what's going to happen right. to them. Um, I like Vel- I actually like Velasco a lot just because of that one race. I, I know that's the, I can't get that out of my mind. Like it's like these and there's a lot of performances. Like I mean, I think Mitchell had something like that where he just had this really good race. I think it was maybe early on in his time at wake forest where that's stuck in my head of being like, he has that 
ability and, and I can't quit it. Yeah. And that's like, it, it's a, it's hard to dislike this team, not because of like all the exciting things, but like they've been developing and building this for the last few years. This has been a clearly strategic planned out build, registering certain guys, you know, taking advantage of the COVID eligibility. Um, it's worked like John Hayes. It's taken some time, but he has done a really nice job recruiting. Like you look at some of the recruits that they're getting now, Ty Garrett, Rocky Hansen are coming in next year. And you look at some of the guys they have now. I mean, they have Brandon Gilmore and Weber Long and, you know, like name after name after name. They've got some overseas guys. They got Joe O'Brien, who's run 818 in the 3K, 1414 in the 5K. Um, they've got, um, so oh, I butchered, oh, Paul Speck. There we go. Um, he's gone 348 and 828. You know, like there's some really good names. Gavin Ellers, he's run 857 for 3,200 meters. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good, I'm also realizing I said Mark Trammell earlier for Wisconsin, but he's actually with Wake Forest right now. So wrong name there, but a lot of good young guys too. Yeah. And, and I, I think this is a team and tell me if you're wrong, that has podium potential. Like that, that potential. is not outside of the realm. Why? I think it's unlikely that they get there. I think this is the first team that we've talked about in our rankings so far that I, I believe has that potential to get there at the end of the year. What percent chance? Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think there's like a 10% chance. I'd say I'd max out of 10. I'm probably closer to 7. Because when you start going down the list of like who's actually in contention – I'm giving them pretty massive chunks. I keep hitting my my lamp here, by the way, for everyone who keeps hearing that. It's my fault, but um, because I'm so I'm so uh, excited about talking about rankings. But no, I I think I give them closer to the seven because when you start getting to like you know the NAU's of the world and those right. top teams, you give them closer to like a 40 percent chance, and all of a sudden like there's only so much space to go around for that. But I, I'd say seven. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's totally fair. All right, let's move on to our women's number nine team, which is the University of North Carolina. Bring back Bryn Brown. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Shasha Naglia, Kelsey Harrington, Carly Hansen, uh, and Natalia Tyner. I, I, they bring in some decent recruits as well to a team that, um, what, what do they end up finishing at NCAAs? I don't uh, know. 14th. 14th. This is a team that has gradually built with Coach Miltenberg, and it seems like the logical next step for this team is a top ten finish. Do you? How confident do you feel in this team? Returning a lot of top names, really just losing Paige Hofstad. Do you feel good about their ability to collectively take that next step and really start pushing? to the point where they're going to be possibly a podium contender in the next year or two. I don't know. Um, so like I wasn't as convinced about this team when I finished writing when I, than when I started, it's a good team. Don't get me wrong. Like a really good team between um, Kelsey Harrington, Bryn Brown and Sasha Naglia, this team mm -hmm. could be pretty dangerous. And like, they've got all these women, but again, it's kind of like Gonzaga, right? Like you are banking on so much to happen. I think this is a fair ranking based on that potential, but we don't know if that's, that's true. Like we just don't know if any of that will happen. And that's what scares me about this team. And they're still young. There's some of them are still young. So who, and 
or, or who do you think has the best chance at being an All-American out of this group? Bryn Brown. Okay. Um, it Just because, like, Naglia and Harrington were great in yeah. their freshman years, um, but they didn't ne- take that next step last fall. Like, they were great in the winter, but didn't take that next step last fall. But there was also, like, seven to eight months separating them from their last cross-country season on, like, a full 12 months. Um, so it's... It, it's hard to like gauge from that sense, but like, I, I think Bryn Brown's ranked at what forty two in our rankings. I think that's fair. I think her youth still gives her more upside, and now she has experience. I think she's the correct answer. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, Harrington. I think she I, she finished right behind her at NCAA's. I think she has the ability of cracking that top fifty. And, and Naglia, while she didn't have the best day at NCAA's, finishing hundred thirteenth, I, I think certainly has the ability to be a lot closer to that group than she was last year. But after that, I, it, it really is a team of a lot of question marks. I, I struggle to see how many there are, if they're going to be able to get their four and five within the top 100. But if they have that firepower up front in there, that front group is able to finish within the top 60, 70, that's not as big of an issue as maybe it is for a lot of other teams. Yeah, I mean, like Harrington's been a top seventy finisher at the national meet like twice, like winter and fall. Naglia's been a top fifty finisher, although she wasn't all American. Bryn Brown had a great national meet. Like, if you really, if everyone runs well on the same day, and even one becomes an all American, through three you're solid, and you just need to get like two women across the line, and all of a sudden this looks like a pretty realistic ranking. The problem is that like, so someone on this team is going to break out, like someone's going to have a great, 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 um, like freshman year or, you know, second year, freshman year, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a great recruiting class here. I just don't know who that is. And I just hope that they, we eventually seen it. So. So I said, Wake Forest has podium potential. Do you see that with North Carolina? I, I think it has to be there because of how much upside they have, but I'd give them like a two or 3% chance. Yeah, I, I think you you see the youth and you see the, the potential, but it it's not I don't see them as a contender the same way that, that Wake Forest is. And just just to throw this out there, they're also so young. They're still really young. Like this is a great ranking for a team that is still this young and still not super proven for certain runners. Like I don't I can't remember not knowing what the second half of a lineup is going to look like and still ranking a team this high. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a testament to what these young runners, at least in the top two, have already shown. And they're, they're already developing really quickly. And if they continue to take the next logical step, that's, that's where you could see them being in that top 10. All right, let's go to number eight, which is on the men's side, the Notre Dame men. Uh, they bring back Matthew Carmody, Josh Methner, Jake Renfrey, Kevin Berry. Uh, they brought in Josh Schumacher from Stanford. They lost, obviously, some significant names, um, most notably Dylan Jacobs to Tennessee. And they lose their head coach, bring in a new uh, assistant coach to help out. It'll be fascinating to see where Notre Dame lands. For them to be ranked eighth after all the turmoil, I think is just a testament to how good and how deep this team was last year. But it's going to be a real testament 
a real trying a, a real trying season for them to see if they can continue to show that they are a top 10 team despite all the noise surrounding this program. They can be a top 10 team. Like this is a fair Absolutely. ranking. It's a good ranking. But man, there's some guys here who are like, you know, Carmody's never been an all-American. Um although he's made great progress as of late, like really great progress. He's awesome. Um Methner He's been a 36th place All-American at the winter cross-country season. He's kind of inconsistent, though, on the grass, or at least in the very few instances that we have seen him great on the track this past year. Phenomenal, actually. And Renfrey, again, huge All-American finish at the winter cross-country national meet, um, but just like really just wasn't good at all in the fall. If all three of those men are the All-Americans that we know they can be, top 10 finish comfortably and now you're starting to look at podium maybe but a lot of that needs to happen and then you also don't know like kevin barry we think is going to be good don't know that for sure tom sites are red well in the steeplechase they've got a crazy good recruiting class it might be another top one you know top ranked recruiting class there's options there's a lot of good and i think josh schumacher could be the biggest x factor on this team the transfer the grad transfer from stanford yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how that freshman class comes in because I think they're going to need at least one or two of those guys to fill out the back end of the roster. That doesn't necessarily mean any of those guys are going to be scoring, but I think they are going to need them available and at least running well enough that if one of their three through five guys falls off a little bit, they could step in and, and stop the bleeding a little bit because I, I there isn't a whole lot of proven guys like you said even even the guys that have shown have had all american finishes they're not the most consistent guys in the world and so i i worry about that and with their comparative lack of experience on their back end if those two things don't mesh up very well they could fall pretty far but at the same time they have the talent to more than justify eight and and even push up higher if all things go right yeah, I mean, like, for all the reasons why you said you would be concerned, you can also use those same reasons to be encouraged. The right. fact that you have three very, very, very realistic All-Americans already proven on your roster, and that you have a back end that has tons of upside and potential that is young or improving and, you know, experienced, like, you know, like Schumacher and Barry just had a huge breakout years on the track this past year. If that continues this fall... I mean, this this might be a very complete top five. Um, so we'll see. Um, I I think it's I think this is a fair ranking. I think it's a very fair ranking. Um, but I also don't. I I would be surprised if even Notre Dame knows how good they're going to be. Yeah, I, I think this this will be like I said with with the little bit of upheaval that's happened. I think them starting out well is going to be so important for them, just for their confidence, and if they can prove that they're more than just one coach, one run, like a few runners and show that they, their program is still going the right direction. I think that'll be so massive for them. They started a little slow. I, I think that's going to be difficult to recover from. I'll say it's impressive to be a team ranked at eight when you lose four all Americans, two back end supporters in your head coach. That is unbelievable. Like that's so impressive. Um, so shout out to Notre Dame. I, I'm I'm really rooting for them because and, and I'll say this, 
Carlson was very nice to say, like, I'm leaving, but also here's the best distance recruiting class in the country. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, an, it's a nice way to, to leave town. Uh, a good leaving present. All right. Let's go to eight on the women's side, which is Stanford. They also lose some very talented runners and Julia Hamek and Christina Aragon, but they do bring back some strong names in Lucy Jenks, Sophia Dudek, and Audrey Suarez. They also have an incredible recruiting class coming in. Um, some amazing middle distance runners that I'm very curious to see how they can translate on the grass in the 6K. The story of their season last year, tough regular season, but came alive when it mattered the most. And that just made it so very difficult to rank them this year. And if they can be that, if a lot of these women that are returning can be their postseason self, then this is a not only a very fair ranking, but could end up being a little bit of an under ranking. If if they're not though, this team has a lot of volatility that and could push them much further down at NCAA's than we expect. Very similar to Notre Dame. Um Maybe less middle lineup options, like less in that sense, but a few great low sticks, like an amazing incoming recruiting class. This is it's a spoiler. If you're listening to the podcast, this is the the perk you get when we rank these recruiting classes or freshman classes in the winter. Stanford will be number one, and luckily, I don't think I have to spoil that for anyone. That's not like a shock. If Zovia Dudek replicates her winter cross-country performances this fall, she will be a top 10 runner. She is unbelievable. She was still pretty good last year, just wasn't at 100% compared to her, to her winter season. And Lucy Jinks has proven she can be an All-American, proved that her 49th place finish or top 50 finish, whatever it was, at the national meet last fall was not a fluke with great 5Ks on the track. I like Suarez a lot as that third runner. I think she's due. I think she's going to get a, a great boost. I think she's going to improve a lot. They got to find a four or five. If that recruiting class gives them a four or five, and I think like Riley Stewart could maybe sort of kind of maybe possibly be an All-American on the right day. This is, like you said, an, an under ranking. I just, I have no idea what this recruiting yep. class is. No idea. When, when you're bringing in like Julia Whitaker and Royzen Willis, like two of the best 800 meter prospects that we've seen come from the high school level. Obviously that's an incredible recruiting class. And they brought in so many other women besides that, but they're 800 meter runners and Whitaker's shown some ability at the hot, longer distances on the grass but I, I just don't know what that instant impact is going to be. I think Stuart, like you said, is someone that absolutely can be a scorer. And I think they're probably going to have to rely on whether or not she's ready. But I just, I, I don't know what we're going to get from this recruiting class. And I think that's, and is going to be the story of Stanford season, how quickly these women are ready to contribute from the get go. I, I think Stanford has two proof, excuse me. There are two proven with younger runners. And like this class is too deep and it's too many options for someone not to be a great third or fourth option. I really believe that. Or even be a low stick. Like someone has to come out and and hit a home run. And I, I think just based purely off of history and numbers, that they will. Yeah, I, I mean, when you have that many people, again, we, we've talked about this, and I think I've used this analogy a million times. When you have that many lottery tickets, one one of them's going to hit. 
like and and probably in a big way when you're talking about the caliber of women that they have so who it's going to be that's a little bit more of an open question but you would expect at least one of one of one person for that recruiting class to really take hold of one of those scoring positions and, and really make this team look a lot stronger than we think just looking at them at paper right now yeah yeah it's I, I don't like you said. I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. I don't even know if Stanford knows. But um, we'll figure it out in the meantime. I, I didn't. I didn't think I was gonna be able to justify a TSR number eight ranking for them. And then when Mara and I sat down, when I wrote it, I was like, okay, I, I feel okay enough to put them here. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. Let's go to our last teams that we'll be talking about tonight. Number seven on the men's side is Washington. Um, they bring back Brian Fred, Brian Fay. They bring in Ed Tripos. Um, they also have Joe Wascom, Luke Hauser, Leo Dashbach, uh, Isaac Green, and a few other names. They also bring in, uh, I think Sam Ellis, um, as well from Princeton. This is just a, a very deep team through seven or eight. They have guys that have the potential to be real, true low sticks. I am probably one of the biggest Brian Fay fans out there. I think he you are. could be really, really good. We, I, I was pushing for him at many times during our individual rankings to be higher. I, I think Tripos has the ability to be a top 50 guy, whether or not where he lands in that, I, I'm not sure. And then they just have enough guys that have the potential of being very solid top 80, top 100 guys at the NCAA. Nathan Green also returns. They bring in three outstanding recruits, all who have run well under nine minutes for, uh, or equivalent for 3,200 meters. It's a great, great, like Aiden Ryan. I don't know if Aiden Ryan has cross-country eligibility, so I, I should take that back. Um, but still, a phenomenal group. I struggle to see how this team isn't a top 10 team by the end of November. I don't see how they ever have a poor race. There's so many lineup options. Everyone... Everyone's best performances from last fall is now their floor. They've just improved that much. Hauser could be an All-American. You could argue that Waska might be an All-American. Like you look at the last, look at the last five like fifteen hundred meter national champions before him. It's um, Cole Hawker, Yard Nagoose. It's like a third name that I'm missing in there. Josh Kerr and oh Ollie Hor, Josh Kerr and Clayton Murphy. Josh Kerr. And Clayton Murphy were not nearly the, uh, the cross country runners that Wascom already is. He was top 100 at the national meet last year. And Ahuar and Nagoose and Hawker are three of the best distance runners of the past decade. So, I mean, who's to say what happens here? Like, I, I have questions about like speculation over proven results, but man, this game's going to be good. I, I think. Faye is probably the only one who, if he really falls off at NCAAs, they're going to have a tough time recovering from. But anybody else, they have so much firepower and potential behind him that I think they can be, they can take a rough day from Wascom, from Tripas, from Hauser, and someone's going to fill in in a big way. And I think so, in a lot of ways, I think they blend a lot of the best characteristics of the teams we've talked about before in Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Gonzaga, and they're, they're safe. They have the top end potential. It's just hard to dislike any part of this team. Yeah. I, I and, and when it comes to cross country rankings, I am not a 
track success translates to the grass kind of guy. But what Washington did this past spring was unbelievable. It was it was incredible. And they were so deep. Hauser and Wascom were different runners. Green was great in high school and cross country, like really good. I struggle to believe that he runs 337 this past year, goes to U20 Worlds, makes the finals, and isn't some kind of contributor to this team. Dashbach, we've made, I don't think we've seen his full potential. Green has run 1327. I don't. He was great in the winter. If he repeats that this fall, awesome. There's so many avenues that this team could go. Like Sam Affolder is an 840 something three, you know, three K steepler, and he's not even in this conversation yet, which is wild. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they are really loaded through eight or nine, and that's not even talking about their recruiting class. Like you said, if one of those two guys. Uh, one, or, one or two of those guys can bust into the top seven, then we're talking about an even deeper team. Um, percentage chance they land on the podium. They're going to say probably seven again. Maybe ten. Hmm. I, I think they have to be higher than... Um, who, who are we saying that about? Wake Forest? Um, yeah, I, I think they're like 12, probably. 12 to 14. Hold on a second. Let me do some math here about like where where I think like this team's gonna be. I'd give them. I'm actually gonna give them that. I'll give them that. Just remember, there's four podium spots. Uh, obviously, some of the the teams ahead of them, like NAU, are probably locks. But I think the third or fourth spot know, are closer, are more open. I'm looking at these numbers. I. <laughs> I I don't know where the math comes in where they're that much higher. Like, because if you if you see on like where I have like these notes here for some of the teams ahead of us, I I don't know where like where these percentages are getting. Like, I can't start just like, dishing out over five percent to everyone in the top ten. Yeah, and I I I think that's fair. I I think there's only like seven or eight teams that have the ability of being on the podium, and I think we've talked about one or two of them so far i think washington can be i think i was maybe a little aggressive saying like seven for for wake forest just because i think with the way the math works like seven's the max i would put washington at like the absolute max just based on like how i'm quickly doing some of this math because i'm like look no surprise like nau is going to be one of our you know better ranked teams and i you look like you try to assign them anything else like other than like x of not getting on the podium and that just takes away a big chunk so yep no and that's fair um all right let's wrap it up with the number seven ranked team on the women's side which is notre dame um they bring back maddie denner olivia markovich uh aaron shizlecki katie weiser uh they bring in katie thronson from tennessee um they have some solid recruits in the form of charlotte bednar and caroline layman um this is a team that was fifth at NCAAs last year and don't lose a whole lot. It'll be fascinating. This is going to be a team, I think, that is going to be one you circle every single race they run because I think they're just one of the most intriguing teams this year. They could be, they have so much potential to build on that fifth place performance, but at the same time, that that fifth place performance is going to be tough to beat considering the teams that they're going up against this year. And I think people are like, well, listen, they finished fifth at the national meet last year. They really only lose their third runner, who will essentially be replaced by Katie Thronson. Where did they go wrong? Why did they go back? 
And it's like, yeah, but look at their regular season. Like they were not good at all. They were just actually bad um, relative to some of the other top teams in this in our rankings. Like if you look at Joe Piani, um, they were 14th. And that's not even like that amazing. Like it's a great field. It's like a top three field, but it's not the same as like Nutty Comb. So I think that's why. Like we, we rewarded them for peaking in the postseason. We recognize that they pretty much had a net neutral gain uh, or, or loss with Thronson and Bailey. But you've got to show a little bit more consistency throughout the entirety of the season. These are, I think people forget, these are power rankings. These are not necessarily predictions for the national meet. If these were predictions for the national meet, I would have a, probably a different order. And so I, I think that has to be considered. Yeah, I, I mean, this is, and I think rankings can get oversimplified in terms of this where you finished at NCAAs is where you should be ranked at the end of the year. And we try to take a more inclusive approach of looking at a team's results throughout the year, because looking at only one race and determining whether your season was a success or failure, it is just very, it's just very narrow because one person could have a good day. One person could have the best day of their life and it skews the results a little bit, but you have to look at what the team is producing on average. And, and some teams consistently are able to peak in the postseason, and maybe Notre Dame women will be one of those teams, but more often than not, a team is their average of their performances throughout the year. And, and that's why I think Notre Dame, as you said, is at seven. But at the same time, you look you look at their potential. I, I'm very intrigued at what Katie Thronson can provide for can provide for this team, how she does stepping into Notre Dame's program, how she is when she's running next to Denner and Markovic in practice every day. I, I think she's someone that could be a, a sneaky, really, really good top uh, three runner for Notre Dame and really help bridge that gap with a lot of these other teams ahead of them. Yeah, listen, if Denner and Markazic deliver on their potential, that's awesome, right? But Denner has some inconsistencies, and we've spoken about that before, and she's very hot and cold. So if she delivers like she did at the national meet last year and Markazic does the same thing, then the avenues for Notre Dame to succeed very, like expand in a massive way. Because Thronson... Could be great. Charlotte Bender, like, I mean, I think people are underestimating how good she could be. 959 for 3,200 meters is incredible. It's insanely fast. If she might be a scorer, you know, how, how are good are some of these other returners who showed promise in the postseason and even on the track as well? I don't think we, we I think we need another season, unbelievably, because it's a, it's a tale of two halves of the season. Great at regionals and nationals, not so great in the regular season. So we'll see. What would the Notre Dame women have to do during the regular season to put them within the top four of our rankings? Um, I, it's not so much what they would have to do. It's more what the other teams would have. Because I think as much as I do have concerns about the regular season, it's also the other six teams ranked ahead of them. There's very good arguments for those, six, those top six teams. So it depends on how those other teams do. Right. And, and I mean, I, I think if they put down a really if they end up winning like Joe Piani or something like that, then I, I think that's something where we both of us can be like, 
okay, this is a different year. This is a more mature team that is going to be a lot more consistent, hopefully, because of their they're not waiting to the postseason to run well. I, I think that's a situation where I would take a double take at that at this team if if they end up winning their home meet at Giopiani. And listen, like it, it really only matters if you play your best and right. run your best in the biggest stage. If if they come back again and they finish like third this time, and it doesn't really, at this point it won't really matter what they did in the, the regular season. Because if all that matters is that you just keep hitting consistently again and again and succeed in the postseason, I guess that's all. Like, like I can't really say like, well, that random meet in early October, like, you know, how dare you? Like, it, you you have to eventually, you know, commend Sparks for putting together what I think might have been one of the single best peaks, like postseason peaks, I can remember ever seeing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, anything else before we wrap it up? Absolutely not. This was long, but a good, yes, good one, but long one. So <laughs> we, we always go long when we're talk, yeah. talking about several teams. All right. Um, anything we need to be checking out besides the rest of the rankings on the site? Uh, not for now, not yet. Um, probably by next week, we will have uh, been, we've been doing uh, some D2, D3, top 10 team rankings. Those are in the works. Um, stuff on the site, mid September ish. Stay tuned. Some people might be able to put two and two together. Who knows? Some it's it's you know we haven't explicitly said anything yet, but uh, it's ex- exciting stuff. A lot a lot on the way. This podcast. Leave a rating and review. Don't forget that. But other than that, that's all I've got. All right. Well, until next week when we unveil, I think the rest of our rankings. I'll talk yeah. to you. I'll talk to you.